Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. When Kevin gives the word, be prepared to call in to 865-243-TALK. That's 865-243-8255. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray from Mortgage Investors Group. Thank you all for joining us. Um, I am Kevin Ray, and I'm your host. I'm here with our co-host, Mark Griffith. Um, we thank you for uh, coming in, and we look forward to this next hour because we have an exciting topic to talk about. And um, as you all know, we have a lot of uh, interest right now in energy savings and exactly how it is that we can save the most amount of energy, not only in our cars, but also in our rent. Residence. And it's a topic that you could even say is an important topic in our new presidential um, coming uh, election. A lot of people, you know, are talking about how they can get gas lower, how they can get the cost of this or that lower. And what we want to do here at the Housing Hour is we want to present for our listeners um, both sides of the arguments. We want to give you guys the tools to make the decisions and be able to really understand what it is um, that this is all about. So, you know, what better way to do that than to bring an expert in to give us some guidance? And it, it, we throughout our show and throughout the year, we're going to have experts come on on a wide range of topics, whether that's our home inspector that we had last week or whether that's uh, Senator Bob Corker, who was that expert for us um, and so forth. So today we're talking energy. We're talking about home energy efficiency and a whole range of topics around that. So um, first of all, let me just tell you, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash housing hour. You can also email your questions in to Kevin at KevinRay.com. That's Ray like Ray County. And we're on Twitter. It's at Kevin Ray. Um, but first and foremost, I'd like for uh, Mark, if you don't mind, Mark, why don't you go ahead and introduce our expert. This is the Housing Hours um, <clears throat> expert on energy. Uh, ongoing expert. That's right. Yeah. Um, we live in a fascinating community uh, because in this area we have uh, been blessed with uh, some great companies and some great research centers. We have the University of Tennessee here in Knoxville and just out in my neck of the woods in, at Oak Ridge we have ORNL and some of the research scientist centers out there. And today we have our guest with us is Dr. Mike Simpson and do, uh, Dr. Simpson, and I call him Mike because he's a good friend of mine. Uh, Dr. Simpson um, is uh, one of the top scientists at ORNL. Uh, research center. He knows a lot of things about a lot of stuff, and that's why he's going to be our special guest. Plus, he's a professor at the University of Tennessee. So, um, Mike Simpson, welcome. Well, it's great to be here. So, thanks for inviting me to be here. And uh, I want to talk about a subject that I have a lot of passion about, which is energy. And uh, I think it's probably the transcendent challenge of our time to solve uh, an energy problem. Uh, this is going to be the technology now that was like um, information technology and internet technology was over the last two decades. And so there's a lot to talk about, a lot yeah. of exciting stuff going uh, on. Well, that is so true. And, and thank you so much for, for joining us because, you know, it, it is, that's a very good way of putting it. I didn't even think about that. And I know, you know, you have people, you know, some of the public figures saying that the energy policy going forward and how it is that we create this energy technology is really going to be the future for jobs, for creating for us, really, the advantage over some of these other countries that are competing for 
energy because there's so much that goes into this. And and so why don't we first just talk about, you know, in general, what it is that you do and what type of research that you've been able to uncover and maybe just give us a 30,000, you know, foot view of what's going on with this, with this topic. Sure. Well, talking about me personally, uh, I'm, um, have an interesting appointment. I have a joint appointment between the Oak Ridge National Laboratory and the University of Tennessee. So I'm in both places. Uh, at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, I'm at the Center for Nanophase Material Sciences. So my research is in nanoscience, which doesn't sound like energy. Okay. But a lot of the answers to how we're going to solve the energy problem are going to be out of what comes out of nanoscience. So being able to deal with things on the molecular level is going to be what solves a lot of those problems. Now at UT, I'm the assistant director for the Bredesen Center. And the Bredesen Center is a new program. It's a joint program between UT and ORNL. And it's to train a whole new generation of scientists in energy science and engineering. So this is a degree that didn't exist just a couple of years ago. And it was invented here. And through a lot of efforts of the governor, Bredesen, at the time, um, that's why it's now the Bredesen Center, uh, this new PhD program was started. And we're recruiting students from throughout the, the country, throughout the world. Uh, in fact, we had 50 of them on campus just the other day in our recruiting efforts. And they're going to learn all of the things about energy that are important, including things like policy, which engineers and scientists don't always get. And hopefully that's going to give them the background that they can go solve these real issues. Well, let me first, too, because I think that there's maybe some misunderstanding um, that people have about energy. And I think it's um, partly maybe just a lack of information, really, I think. Uh, a lot of people think that when they are out there and they're using energy, that if it is gasoline, that they think, okay, well, let's get an electric car, you know, and that will solve the issue with not having to pay for gasoline. But the, but there's also another dynamic to that, and we'll get into the residential side here in a moment, but I think to get a full view of what this is, to build that electric car, it takes oil to build that electric car. So you have to have some sort of energy to use to build that electric car. And then of course, in order to power the station that energizes the, the battery, you're gonna have to have energy. So it's not just about having you know, electric car, for instance, to, to, to make, uh, you know, our lives better. You know, there's a whole host of other things that go into it. And you, you share with me a startling statistic that um, I think you said it was half of the, the world's energy is in residential homes. Well, half of the electricity generated in this country ends up going to residential use. So that I think that's the statistic that you were talking about. But to get to the point you you let off with, um, you know, with electric cars, yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna have to use energy to produce these things. But with cars, it's the energy they use over their lifetime. It's not the energy that goes into making them that's really important. Now the other point you brought up was well, you've still got to produce that electricity. So yeah, the car doesn't generate any emissions and it doesn't use anything right there other than than the electricity, but you gotta generate the electricity. And to do that, you're going to burn coal, you're going to run nuclear plants, you're going to run uh, natural gas burning plants, and you're going to use hydroelectric, solar, and wind power. But overall, that generating that electricity is much cleaner and much more efficient than it is um, to you know make the gas and, and, and uh, burn that in the car. Um, the issue there is is that you can't carry as much energy in your car if you've got it in a battery, if you can, if you've got it in gasoline. That's the big issue. 
And battery technology is one of the things that has to be solved to solve this big energy puzzle. Um, you know, one of the questions that I have just start, starting this thought process out is, you know, why have we not went to an electric car sooner? I mean, I, is there is there just a big movement? I mean, I know that, you know, you have gas company lobbyists that try to, you know, push that out of the economy, but why have we not put more time, more effort, more energy <laughs> to... <laughs> more energy into the energy? Into, into, yeah. the, into the electric car, because right. it seems like, you know, for those, uh, you know, I, I live from my office five miles away, mm-hmm. and it just seems to me that, you know, having an electric car, if it was not cost prohibitive for me to purchase the electric car, that seems to be the way to go at $4 gas. Right. Well, okay, so there's a a lot of issues. All of these things are always very complicated and they're always interconnected. One thing is, is you know where all the gas stations are. Okay, there's not a lot of charging stations that are set up right now for electric cars. So that has to get solved first. And you got that same problem with any alternative energy source, right? When we start uh, driving um, natural gas powered cars, which I think will happen pretty soon, Right now, there's no big distributors of natural gas. So, you know, the filling stations is a big issue. Now, with electric cars, the really big issue is the battery technology. So, you might have heard about the fire in the vault that caused the big problem mm-hmm. there. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that probably isn't as big a deal as it really was made out to be in the media, but it's still, it's an issue. So, the battery technology is, is ongoing. It's a big research effort at ORNL right now and all the other national laboratories. And in fact, DOE is uh, announcing a competition for what they call a battery hub. So one of the national labs, or it could be at a university, is going to host a big research center aimed at, at next generation battery technology that'll solve a lot of these problems. Now, once we get the battery technology to where it needs to be, and we have charging stations where they need to be so you can do a cross-country trip, then I think that electric is going to be one of the solutions. Now, what I think is most likely, now this is a personal opinion, this isn't science, this is personal opinion. What I think is most likely is that a volt kind of uh, strategy will be adopted, which means there'll be some kind of liquid fuel and there will be there will be electric power too. Mm-hmm. Now, Maybe what, natural gas? It could be, it could, it certainly could be natural gas or it could be flex fuel car. It could be a car that basically could take any kind of fuel uh, it could be, you know, it could be ethanol. It could be one of the more advanced biofuels, like butanol yeah. or something like that. Or it could be gasoline or it could be mixtures of gasoline and things like that. But probably that kind of solution is the thing that's going to float to the top. Now, one of the things that I think people most want to know about is on this show, maybe revolving more around housing. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly the the transportation, in my mind, is a, is a very powerful piece of the housing argument because people are going to buy ha- homes that are close to their job because of the cost to get to where they're going to work. So, you know, it definitely is an appropriate piece of this, you know, this topic. Now, solar power, is that something that you think is a a very good technology, solar power? Well, for any of the energy technologies, um, a lot of it comes down to uh, what it costs over the lifetime to generate the energy that it's going to generate. Where solar has struggled over the years is is that, you know, uh, right now, you can produce electricity for about six cents per kilowatt hour if you use coal. Mm. And if you use solar energy, then it's about 25 cents per kilowatt hour. Okay. Well, that doesn't seem like a good deal. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the issue there. So, one of the, there's a thing now called the Sunshot Initiative. And the Sunshot Initiative is a DOE program um, 
to fund research to reduce the cost of solar to what it costs to generate it with coal. Now, I just told you the raw price of generating electricity. I didn't tell you about all the other problems you have to deal with, right? So Mm -hmm. when I burn coal, I put mercury in the atmosphere. I put sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere. I put CO2 in the atmosphere. Those things cause us issues, okay? If you walk around with sinus problems all the time, one of the reasons that you do that is because of what we burn. Mm. And, of course, we spend lots of money at the doctor's office taking care of issues like that. So the total cost is something that's hard to calculate. And you have also those issues that happen, like in Kingston, for instance, that ha- you know affect neighborhoods mm-hmm. and people. I think that's something that people need to really understand is every energy technology has its risk, has its benefits, and it has its risks. And there is nothing out there. You know, I think people focus so much on the risk of, say, nuclear, that they don't understand the risks of the other technologies. And they all have. It's, these are complicated issues and can't be dealt with in sound bites, really. Yeah, well, you're right. And I think when we, we're going to go to break here in just a few minutes, and we'll definitely dive into some more of these type of topics. But I, I do think that nuclear technology, you know, there's been a big push, I think, from certain people that we want to, you know, have nuclear come back into the, the fold. And, you know, they suggest it's a cleaner technology, maybe. I don't know that that's true or not, but I've heard that topic that well, said. And, and we, a security issue. We look at Japan just a right. year ago. They have the, the potential meltdown. So there's a lot of risks. And it's not cheap there. to build one of those plants. No, it's not. It, it takes about a billion dollars in, I don't know, 14 years or so to go through all the, the permitting and, and all of the, the design and impact studies and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you can put a big, huge solar plant in place, um, you know, a decade faster and a lot cheaper than you yeah. can a nuclear plant. So and what is the cost for energy per kilobyte or whatever you Kilo, said? Kilowatt hour? Kilowatt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, that's, for, that's why we have Dr. Simpson on. <laughs> yeah. For nuclear. It's uh, it's a little bit more expensive than coal. I, the number, I'm sorry, I don't know the number no, off the top a, of my head. Yeah. The number that sticks in my head is it's about eight cents per kilowatt so hour. So coal has really become the go-to source because it's the cheapest it's the cheapest but it's not the cleanest it's the cheapest in just the direct cost yeah and you have so many jobs associated with you know mining coal and it's it's to unwind all that is is i i would not want to be in a position to have to address the you know, unintended consequences from going to any technology. And I think that's part of why we have not been able to move the ball forward on some of these newer technologies is because of the unintended consequences. And when we've we got come, about a minute left. Yeah, and when we come back from the break, uh, one of the things he mentioned before we went on there is the the energy loss and that we lose. So we, we create this energy, we're ready to use it, but then our we don't uh, contain it very well, do we? Right. We, we uh, The best example of that's the incandescent light bulb, right? It's like you generate, you put 100 watts into it and you get a few percent of that out in light. The rest of it's heat. And if you're cooling your house, you also have to get that heat out of your house. Yeah. Well, we're here with Dr. Mike Simpson. He is a professor. He is a scientist. He is a director. He's got a lot of titles that he holds. And we have him here special for you on the housing hour. So when we come back, we're going to dive more into this, get more into the residential side. And we just have an exciting show. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back after these messages.
best choice for news, sports, traffic, and weather. Partnered with WBIR.com. This is 100.3 WNOX. When it's time to buy a home or take advantage of terrific refinancing options, put your trust in Tennessee's leading independent mortgage lender for over 20 years. With 15 locations in the state of Tennessee, Mortgage Investor Group offers a diversified line of products that takes a caring approach to the lending process that ensures each loan fits your individual needs. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution serving Tennessee for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 10911. Mortgage Investors Group is an equal housing lender. At Title Associates of Knoxville, we are all about you. You, the buyer, the seller, the real estate agent, or the lender. Hi, I'm Sue Benson, owner of Title Associates. In today's real estate market, it is more important than ever to have a title company with experience, a company you can trust, and one that conducts business with you in mind. Our staff has been serving Knoxville and surrounding counties for over 20 years with timely, attentive service. We are constantly updating and re-educating ourselves to ensure the best possible service to our customers. At Title Associates, we are proud to be a part of this community, a community that has remained positive during the downturn of the economy and a community that will recover with an even stronger real estate market. If you're buying, selling, or refinancing, our staff promises to make your closing a pleasant one. If you're a real estate agent looking for excellent customer service, give us a call, 777-1040, or visit our website at tanox.com. Title Associates, your choice and the right choice. Mortgage Investors Group is committed to being your home loan solution. It's just that simple. With over 22 years of experience in the home financing business and over 60,000 clients, MIG is Tennessee's leading independent mortgage lender. Whether you're looking to upgrade your current home, purchase your first home, or need to simply refinance to a lower rate, now is the time to move. There has never been a better time to buy a home than there is today. Record low rates, great selection of homes for sale, and sellers ready to sell. This environment will not last forever. Mortgage Investors Group has money to lend, experienced loan officers to guide you, and a singular focus of helping you. Contact us and we will help you realize your American dream today. MIGonline.com or 865-691-8910. Equal housing lender, Tennessee license number 109111. Mortgage Investors Group. The Veteran Next Door, a compelling hour of stories told and retold from the battlefronts of America's wars. Join Randall Baxter Sunday mornings at 9 as he introduces us to veterans of our wars as they share their stories of loss, their lives, their heartaches, their victories, all up close, real life and personal encounters. You don't want to miss this. The Veteran Next Door, Sunday mornings with host Randall Baxter on 100.3 WNOX. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome in back to the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you guys for joining us. What an exciting show that we have. And I do real quick want to tell you about a company that I believe very strongly in, and that is Admiral Title Company. Admiral Title has been around for seven, eight years. Uh, Terry Adams and Phyllis Burnett started this company, and what a tremendous company that they have started. And, and they really have uh, really made 
the title business and what the process is very simple. And it for us as a lender, that's what we need. We need somebody that's going to take you from A to Z and not have any issues and just take care of the process. And they do a really good job with that. Um, and you know, as a lender, we want somebody that's going to you know hold the hand of the client and also reinforce the things that we have already told them. And then if there's an issue that comes up, to know how to take care of that issue. And they have proven that they know how to do that. So if you're out there listening and you're a lender or you're a realtor and you need somebody that's going to take care of your clients and it's going to take them from point A to point Z with no issues in between, then Admiral Title is the company for you. If you're a person that's just out there not working as a lender or a realtor, then you can just go directly to them if you're buying a home and maybe you're paying cash. You don't need a mortgage. Good for you. Then go directly to them. Their phone number is 865-531-6060. Well, darn, I was so excited to get back to this next segment. I almost forgot how to do a, a endorsement there, but let's get back into this because I'm excited to this next this next segment. And, you know, we talked a lot about the energy and, and we talked a lot about the transportation side of things. We we talked a lot about the different types of energy, um, and so let's let's talk a little more about that. Let's let's look at it from this perspective, and maybe I'll get your your uh, feelings about this. You know, when it comes to that statistic about the fifty percent that goes into residential, can you talk a little bit about maybe where the other energy goes and as it as it you know relates to housing, and talk a little bit about your studies and, and what you what you believe. Well, other than residential, uh, you know, the categories are commercial, industrial, and transportation. So those are the categories that energy use goes into. Obviously, I think the one that affects uh, housing the most would be transportation. Transportation takes um, a little bit more than a third of the total energy that that this country uses. Uh, Most of that's uh, oil petroleum products and about half of that oil actually just slightly less than half now because there's been improvements in this but close to half of it's imported and that of course has big geopolitical concerns and things like that and they affect your paycheck and that affects your home too so I think those are the big issues that that in energy that affect uh, what goes on in housing. Yeah, you know, I was the other day I was um, listening on the radio, and you know, I was listening to somebody talking about diesel fuel, and they were talking about how you know some of these construction companies are fudging and putting a different color of diesel fuel in their tanks because it's much cheaper, and if they actually got caught doing that, they could be fined. But they're trying to push the cost down so that they can their margins are 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 better or they can sell the home cheaper and we know this equipment that they're running now i am this is totally news to me i have no i didn't even know there was different colors of diesel fuel but there's different grades of diesel fuel i suppose so is that something i think that people you know generally know about because you know i guess the cheaper diesel fuel is more harmful to the uh, the environment or what Right. That's well, one of the big issues with diesel. And diesel has made a big comeback lately because diesel engines are very efficient. You know, mm-hmm. you get better mileage in right. a diesel car. Than, but one of the big issues is, is they burn dirty. They, okay. They've traditionally burned dirty. And if you've ever been behind a diesel truck, you've yeah. smelled True. How, okay. how dirty that they can burn. Yeah. So, of course, one of the big issues there is is to make them burn as cleanly as you can make gasoline cars burn. And there's been a lot of advances in that technology. You can go buy a diesel car right now that meets emission standards that are very much like gasoline cars. Mm-hmm. And you get that extra mileage out of the car. Yeah. Uh, and then the big issue comes down to the price because, yeah. you know, yeah. the price of the diesel fluctuates different than the price of the gasoline. Sometimes it's, it's very economical and sometimes it's not very economical. Right. Just kind of depends yeah. on on the market. 
it so at that point yes, go ahead i'm sorry so yeah i mean you know the the sulfur content and things like that and in lower grades of fuel could certainly be an issue with with emissions i'm going to admit to you i'm not an expert at all in those areas so right. I, can't, I can't really talk to right you know, to diesel fuel quality very much well if you think you know like everybody out there that's listening right now um you know the the way that they're framing the argument i think politically maybe is that we need to just get away from fuel um, we need to you know have everything be ran through either wind solar or all these other technologies that you're you know studying and researching um, but the truth is we're not going to be able to get rid of fuel yeah that's that's absolutely true i yeah. mean and you just have to look at, if you just look at the facts for a few minutes right now well this is of, of 2009 solar was generating 0.1 percent of our electricity 0.1 and and wind was generating 0.7 now wind's grown tremendously wow wind has grown tremendously and in fact it, all the way up to 0.7 <laughs> well now that was in 2009 and it's continued, right but it's that's a big number that's, really. con that's continued to grow since then mm -hmm. and in fact at least for a couple of years wind was the fastest growing power source out there mm -hmm. and there were there were power plants that literally weren't built because wind was able to take up take up the slack but still you know we're talking about things that are in the few percent level i mean we're not going to get away from fossil fuels completely in the foreseeable future okay so you know what we have to do is we, we have to have a smart energy policy and when the smart energy policy makes smart use of all of the available fuels now um I, I will point out you'll never get away from fuel because there will always be a fuel it's just better fuels and worse fuels okay some yeah right, right. yeah hey mike let, let's talk about uh, going back into the home and electricity coming into the house mm -hmm. tell me about some of the national statistics that are out there because majority of the homes out there are electricity i don't know of any other maybe some natural gas generators that are running some parts of the home but electricity what's the what's going on with electricity how's it being lost what are some of the improvements that have occurred Okay, so there's two major energy sources in the home, right? There's electricity and then there's natural gas. And natural gas, of course, does a lot of heating, a lot of water heating, things like that. Now, most of the electricity generation with natural gas, and I'm familiar with, has to do with like backup generators. And so, you know, after the storms of last April, I thought about putting in a natural right. gas generator to do such things. But I have a breakdown here for, for where your energy goes in your house. And about more than 40% of the energy that you use in your home is to heat it and to cool it. That is your biggest energy use by far of anything. Uh, the next biggest thing is water heating. So he heating the water for showers and washing your dishes and things like that is, you know, somewhere in the 13 to 15% of your total power use range. Uh, lighting, lighting is about 12%. So residential lighting is about 12% of your electricity bill. Um, and then after that, it starts to drop off. You know, refrigeration would be next. And then you start to get down into, you know, just your electronics. Your clothes dryer is a big energy hog, and it's a really hard thing to make more efficient. About the only way to make clothes drying more efficient right now is to hang it on a line and do solar, um, you know, drying of your clothes. And neighbors tend to not like that. Now. Yeah, neighbors tend not to like that. <laughs> well, let me yeah. see if I understand this correctly, mm -hmm. because back in a long time ago when we didn't have, you know, air conditionings or heaters, we didn't have you know, clothes being washed in, you know, high degrees. We didn't have the water, you know, being heated for our showers. 
you know, back in the day, we just didn't do with those luxuries. So as the industrial age has progressed, or that probably is the wrong word, but as we've gotten to where we, we are right now, um, we have all these luxuries, This the heating of, of whatever, you know. But you're telling me that 50% of what the world's energy is is of residential, right? Is that what you said? Well, no, actually, those were national statistics, not, okay, not just global national. statistics. Okay, national. Yeah, because you know when you start taking in third world countries and things like that, I mean, there's they no have usage. A, okay. Yeah, they, they have a very different energy profile okay. than we do. They have kind of colonial day type energy. Yeah. So right. you're basically saying the U.S. is a huge consumer of electricity. Yeah, the U.S. consumes you know something close to a quarter of the world's energy. Okay. So so what I'm asking, I guess, is if we we think about what we have and what you know, God has blessed us with, which is, you know, a great uh, amount of luxuries. <clears throat> there are certain things I think that we can do in our home and that we can do as just residents of the United States to help with this energy problem. Because, you know, it's not just out there, you know, driving to the mall and driving to your house, you know, to your job or driving on vacation. You know, it looks like in the home itself, there's some inefficiencies that are happening. So people that are out there listening to the show, you know, what are some things that they can do to help get down the amount of energy that they use? And, and Mike, there, and speak to, because I hear this zero energy homes. I mean, Habitat for Humanity is partnering with ORM. I understand Absolutely. That's correct. to do that. So mm-hmm. what is zero energy? How do you do that? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, it would probably be more appropriate to call them zero net energy homes. Okay. Now, what that means is, is that you make the energy use in the home as low as you can possibly make it. And then you generate through a renewable source like solar enough energy to offset the amount that you use. So you're, you're in a net sense, you're not drawing any electricity from the grid. Now that doesn't mean you don't draw electricity from the grid. You may be, you know, when you're having your peak use of electricity, you may be drawing electricity from your utility company, but then when you're not having your peak usage, you put electricity back on the grid through your solar panels or your windmill or whatever you use. So there's two steps to a zero net energy home. Number one is to make it as efficient as you can possibly make it. And number two, is you generate enough electricity to offset the electricity that you do use. Well, and so in terms of this this Habitat home that they're trying to do the net energy, you know, going forward, um, is it is it more costly to build the home with that type of energy package, or is it about the same? It's a little more expensive, and uh, this is this is the thing I think that is is true of all of these efficiency technologies that we can talk about, uh, perhaps on a later show. Yes, but uh, you're going to spend more money up front, and then you're going to receive that money back with with payback over a number of years, and it depends on the technology which one you're going to do. I'll just give you one quick statistic: Please, yeah. um, residential lighting. Okay, so if you uh, change most of your residential light, you shouldn't change all of it um, because there's some things that are actually a little better to do with incandescent than than with with, uh, fluorescent lights. But if you changed all your lighting uh, to fluorescent lighting or most of your lighting to fluorescent lighting, you would use only one-fifth of the amount of energy to light your home as you do now with incandescents. And you would pay more for that fluorescent lighting up front, but your payback would happen over about three years and then after that, it's all money in the bank. And uh, the fluorescent lights can last quite a long time. They can have quite a big payback. Um, 
much better than you can get in treasury bills right mm. now. So, what know. about taking just cold showers? <laughs> Would that help? Cold any? showers makes a big well. Uh, well, let me put it this way: if you have a tankless water heater, mm. then taking a cold shower is going to help. Now, if you if you have um, if you have a, a a water heater that keeps stored hot water there all the time, you, then you're continuously putting energy into keeping that water hot, even if oh, you don't use it. That, but, is is there are there uh, researches going on on each component of the house at ORNL? Uh, who's who does all these individual components and, and look at the efficiency? Yeah, there's there's a big building research program at ORNL. Now I'm not part of that right. that particular division. I'm in the Nanoscience Center, but but there's you know as you can imagine, there's big interest since so much of the energy goes into to housing, so much of the energy goes into industrial uses and buildings and things like that. There's a big push there. Well, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this segment, and uh, Dr. Mike Simpson has been kind enough to come in and join us and just provide us a tremendous amount of information. Thank you so much for coming in. We definitely need to have you back very we'll be soon. Back. He's our resident yeah. genius. Absolutely. <laughs> because you know what? Next time, I want to talk a little bit some other things that people can do, and also what people can do out there in our community to help push this initiative forward, and how they can be of support to the Bredesen Center and other uh, you know, avenues for people to research this. So again, thank you so much for coming in. We'll be right back in just a moment. We've got a great show lined up for you this week, th- next week, and all the shows to come. Thank you again. This is Kevin Ray with the Housing Hour. We'll be right back. East Tennessee's choice for Fox News Radio, 100.3 WNOX. Buying a home is now more affordable than it's ever been in the last 20 years. Decline in home values coupled with rock-bottom mortgage rates makes home affordability a reality. Mortgage Investors Group is ready to help you take advantage of these dynamic market conditions. With 16 Tennessee locations, MIG has dedicated itself to taking a caring approach to your home mortgage needs to help you make your home financing your reality. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group. Your home loan solutions for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109111. Mortgage Investors Group is an equal housing lender. With the real estate market the way it's been lately, you need a thorough professional to guide you through the title insurance process. And that professional is Crown Title in Franklin Square. Did you know that lender's title insurance only protects the lender? Owner's title insurance from Crown Title protects you and your investments. Crown Title is a second generation locally owned company with over 50 years of combined experience. Crown Title offers a wide array of title insurance products and escrow services, all at competitive prices. Crown Title has been serving all of Knoxville and the surrounding area with a highly trained and dedicated staff well-versed in the real estate market. Whether it's a new purchase or refinance, FHA or VA, escrow services or cash transaction, let Crown Title provide security and peace of mind for the biggest investment you'll make. If you're a buyer, seller, agent, or lender, Crown Title should be your choice. Our digital closing docs with Forever Marketing keeps you in front of your clients for as long as they own their home and notifies you when they're returning to the market. Call Crown Title now to find out more at 539-4910. That's 539-4910 or stop by our office in the shops at Franklin Square. We're online too at crowntitlenox.com.
When choosing a company to handle your home financing, you want a great rate and someone you can trust. Tennesseans turn to Mortgage Investors Group. Named Tennessee's number one THDA lender, eight years running. Homegrown right here in the Volunteer State and with 15 Tennessee locations, Mortgage Investors Group takes a caring approach to the lending process, finding a program specific to your needs. For more information, call toll-free 800-489-8910 or visit MIGonline.com. Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solution serving Tennessee for the past 22 years. Tennessee Mortgage License Number 109. 111. Mortgage Investors Group is an equal housing lender. When the weather gets bad, the team gets stronger. Listen for live WATE Six Storm Team Severe Weather Updates now on 100.3 WNOX. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray here with co-host Mark Griffith. And uh, very, very interesting information that was shared with us, was it not? Uh, Fascinating. I mean, I was really astounded. And I hope that you all enjoyed that. And um, real quick, before we move on, I need to tell you all about a company that uh, I believe very strongly in. And that is Capital Financial Group. Capital Financial Group, been around for a while. Uh, They actually have the offices below us at the um, Mortgage Investors Group building on East Walker Springs Lane. And what they do is they're going to help you to design a financial plan that will help you meet your your needs, your goals in the future. So they're going to be the ones that you go to when you want to decide on where you want to put your money for education fund, for 401k, for anything that you possibly could imagine. They're going to help you with tax planning. They're going to help you with estate planning all under one roof. Bavi is the manager over there. I know them personally. They do a great job and they really care. So why don't you give them a call? They're phone number is 865-246-1680 and it's Capital Financial Group. Well, this has been a great show, but we are going to end this show with a very important topic. I think that this is something that, you know, most people want to participate in and that is the Habitat for Humanity. And Dan is here, Dan Hurst, Director of Communications for the Knoxville Habitat for Humanity. Uh, First of all, thank you for coming in and joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Definitely. Um, You know, one of the things that Mortgage Investors Group has uh, initiated is to be involved with this organization. And as a matter of fact, we will be next week participating in a build uh, with Capital Financial Group, the company I just spoke of. And we have some volunteers that are going to be participating in that. And now, first thing that I'd like for you to do, Dan, is to talk a little bit about Habitat and its history, maybe, briefly, but just tell us a little bit about the organization you work for. Sure. We're a uh, nonprofit 501c3 organization that's been in Knoxville since uh, 1985. Uh, Since that time, we've built about 425 houses. Uh, We build about 25 houses a year only in Knox County. Each county in our surrounding areas has another habitat that services those areas. And our goal is to eliminate poverty housing. So we look for people that are living in poor quality housing, maybe an overcrowded housing situation, um, and people that are low income. They do have to have a job. A lot of people... Um, are under the impression that we give away houses at Habitat, and that's simply not true. Uh, these people all contribute uh, to a mortgage, uh, which is 25 to 30 years. And the good thing about those mortgages that allows people with low incomes to afford them is their 0% interest. And That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very good. And, uh, you know, our average mortgage is about $68,000. The payments are generally 350 to $450 a month. 
And, you know, that's less than a lot of these folks are paying for rent right now. And they're getting houses that are more energy efficient, so they save on their utility bills. And, you know, in addition to building houses, we also like to say that we're transforming lives because we give people the opportunity not to worry about their shelter, to be able to get on with their lives and focus on things that are more important. Yeah. And you said something interesting and in that what you all are doing is giving not a hand out, but a hand up. Correct. And I think that is a really well said verse because we don't just participate. People don't want someone to just get something for free. Certainly, we want to to invest time and uh, money and effort into people's lives. But I think there is also a piece of it, personal responsibility and trying to, you know, have skin in the game and talk a little bit about your qualification requirements. I mean, it, you're not just going to come in there and then one day you're going to have a free house. I mean, it's not free. First of all, it is, you know, something that people have to work for, but talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the amount of time they have to spend learning about things and so forth. We have a requirement. Uh, one of one of the things that you have to have is a willingness to partner with us. Uh, you know, people that have a conventional mortgage have money to put down for that conventional mortgage and the folks that we work with don't, but what they do have is time. And so we ask them to give us 500 hours of what we call sweat equity. And most people think that the sweat equity is out building the house or helping others build the houses. And there's about 100 hours of that. But the majority of those hours are going to be in classes where uh, for a year they're going to be in budgeting classes where they keep track of every penny that they spend uh, to learn where their money goes so that they can figure out how they're going to be able to pay that mortgage uh, without being able to default on the loan. And uh, we have construction classes in addition to that where they learn how to swing a hammer. Uh, we have art type classes. We even have like a cooking class. Um, and it's all kind of tied back into them, you know, being the best person they can be tied in with having this house. Well, the, the Habitat, you know, they've been around for a long time. How long have they been in Knox County? Since 1985. And it's okay. Since 1985. That's what you said. So... When it comes to the logistics of building this home and what exactly these people are getting, we spoke earlier off air, you, Mark, and I about, you know, what exactly happens after they close. Because this home, when they close on it, if they qualify 500 hours of sweat equity, we get a sponsor, build the home. This is their home. I mean, they're signing a mortgage. They're signing a deed. They do have this home. But let's talk about some of the fine print just to make sure everybody understands. And the fine print's good, actually, in this case. Um, there's a, what, what you call a silent second. Correct. So talk a little, talk us through that. Well, the silent second is designed so that, you know, obviously we charge what it costs to build a house, which um, is considerably lower than what you would pay if you go and purchase this house on the open market. Um, and that's designed so that these folks can afford to live in these houses. Um, but the silent second is the difference between what we charge these homeowners and what the appraised value is of, of the house. And so that's so they can't come in the next day and turn around and sell the house for a profit. Fix it or flip it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And the other thing that it does is that it helps to preserve the property values for properties that are surrounding these houses. Because if I own a new three-bedroom, right. two-bath house and Habitat builds one, then I don't want to, you know, my property value to be lowered with the comps because, you know, they've sold their house for 68000 and I want to get a hundred for mine. Right. So the value of the home, you use 68000 is probably going to be about 100000 based on your all's experience Correct. In, in time building this. So the second, the silent second would be, there's no payment on this silent second. Correct. And as they live in the home, there's going to be a, a term that this will actually go away. How long is that? It's for the life of the mortgage. Okay. So the longer that you're in the house, house, 
the more that mortgage on that silent second is forgiven. Okay. So over the life of the loan, then it comes out to zero. If they wanted, let's say, and I, I'm, I'm wanting to talk about this because the people that are wanting to apply, but also the people that are wanting to participate so that they understand. So if somebody kept a Habitat house for 10 years and they wanted to sell it, let's say they're moving up, maybe they got married or maybe they, whatever, um, they would then be able to prorate out that silent second. Absolutely. And they would still have some, some equity built up in the home as Absolutely. well, obviously. That's the whole plan. Okay. So now let's talk about um, how people can participate because you you can be a financial sponsor, which you guys just told me that you've got that taken care of till 2014 based on the current models, correct? Right. We're Yeah. We're always looking for more sponsorships and whether it's sponsoring a house or sponsoring food or whatever that is. Right. Because now if you're a lender out there and you're listening you know, one of the things that they want to do is to partner with you because there's all kinds of people out in this community that could qualify for this. And you know what? They don't know about it. Correct. And that's the unfortunate thing because they are willing. They're the willing people to help you not only realize your American dream, but really get a hand up in this situation. So talk about how lenders can participate. Well, you know, I, I would imagine there's quite a few lenders out there who, you know, they may want to help somebody, but they just don't fall within the normal guidelines of, of what they can do for them. And so we have less strict qualifications for our lenders just because, I mean, for our homeowners, simply because of the population that we serve. So we can take folks with a little bit of debt. I mean, it's low income based on um, the HUD area medium income guidelines. Mm -hmm. So for a family of one, a single person, you can make as little as 16000 some odd dollars up to like 49000 for a family of eight. So there is a sliding scale there depending on the number of people in the household. And then in addition to that, um, you know, we look at people that maybe haven't had a stellar credit history. They may have a credit score in the low 500s, but as long as they don't have a lot of debt, then we'll be able to help them. And, you know, Mark, you know, you have, you're right there on the front lines as I am. I mean, we see people like this that could qualify for this. Every day. Um, and, and it's really good to know because I didn't really know that this was the program to be pushing these people to. So now we know, and when there's some folks out there that would like a quality home, they feel that they can't qualify. Somebody's told them their credit score is really low. So they really just need to contact you. Isn't yeah, correct? absolutely. There's several different ways that they can apply. Um, they can call our office and we'll send them what we call our pre-application where we just kind of get in information on their income. They can go to our website and fill out that same form. It's just under the apply now section of the website. And then... Um, they can also um, come to an application meeting and we hold those every quarter. We've got one coming up on the 27th of March. It's a Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Um, and it's at our offices at 1501 uh, Washington Avenue. And then another one Saturday, the 31st of March at 10 a.m. And uh, people can come by. They can learn about what the program is. And we can have them fill out the pre-app and get going. And if something happens, it turns out that they have uh, large, great credit scores and they're in really good shape. Um, you can tell them to call uh, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, investors. Right. There are cases where we have families that are overqualified. But because of our mission to serve the low-income population, we, we stick to those guidelines pretty strictly. What's their website, Mark? Uh, the website is knoxvillehabitatforhumanity.com. And there's an apply online? Button. There's an apply online, yep. Okay. 
Very well, good. you know, with the habitat kind of winding up or, you know, kind of rounding up this whole conversation, let's let's end on, you know, the positive side of this, because the fact is, unfortunately, for Knoxville, for the whole country, we do have a segment of our population that is in need. And one of the things that I admire most about that habitat does is that they really don't go out there and try to do it all themselves. They're trying to bring into the fold and be, in a, be a facilitator, really, Absolutely. of people who are, have the ability, have the volunteers volunteer spirit and have the money to get this job done so why did you get involved i mean is that why because you just like the whole philosophy yeah i mean i'm a realtor and i um you know i think housing is important i think that that's you know that's one of the best things that someone can do for themselves and i like the fact that it's not a hand up i mean it or not a handout excuse me um not only are we we you know, having these folks pay a mortgage and they're paying their own way, but we're also adding blighted properties back to the tax records, you know, and, and it's just kind of a win, win, win for everybody. Yeah. And that's so important for people to remember because you think about it, there is a tremendous amount of blighted property in Knox County, abandoned homes, abandoned foreclosed neighborhoods that if you guys uh, can have the participation, have people teaming up with you, you know, and we're one of those people, Mortgage Investors Group, like I said, March 24th, we're going to be out and helping with with a build and and I'm just so excited about it. So, you know, kind of the last thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, in this area, you do about 25 homes in Knox County per year, correct? Correct, yeah. Is there any possibility for that to grow? How would that grow? By people participating, I guess. Yeah, having more people apply and and accept it into the program. Yeah, because Um, the need's out there. Absolutely, the need is out there. It's just a matter of finding those folks who qualify. And I think also for people to get over the stigma, I mean, they think that, you know, there's, you know, if I, I don't want to go to Habitat because there's some stigma associated with that. But, you know, we have very hardworking people that are in this program and yeah. they just want a nice place to live. You know, it would be nice to hear some of their stories. And maybe next time you can come back, you can share some of the success that. stories. Yeah. That would uh, be nice. I believe that would be a great idea. So, you know, just to re, uh, just tell everybody what's going on. March 27th on Tuesday, you can uh, come into their, their application meeting, correct? Correct. You can find that information on their website, which is habitatforhumanity.com that's knoxvillehabitatforhumanity.com and we want to thank Dan Hurst for coming in and speaking to us it's been very uh, informational and thank you so much and thank you for joining us we've had a great show we had a tremendous guest this, this week and we just thank you for coming in and joining us don't forget this show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group the housing hour is here every Saturday from 2 to 3 I'm Kevin Ray your host thanks again we'll see you next week That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.